Thank you, Elder Sam, for your prayer, and thank you, Joy, for sharing your great stories with us today. I am encouraged and blessed by you and your, your family. Um, good morning, church. Um, it's a pleasure and a joy to be with you this morning, and if we haven't met, uh, my name is Huey, and I have the privilege of serving as one of the pastors here at our church, and if you are visiting us uh, for the first time, or if this is your first time in a very long time, I just want to welcome you to our, our church, and I'm so uh, glad you're here with us this morning. Uh, friends, last weekend, uh, our youth ministry went away together on our annual summer retreat, uh, 59 students and 26 young adult volunteers spend the weekend together thinking about what it means and what it can look like to make room in our hearts and in our lives for, for people and things that matter to God's heart. Um, to say the least, it was a memorable time of worship, prayer, and, and fellowship that I hope and pray will help forge honest faith in Christ and meaningful relationships among our students. And our guest speaker, Pastor Brian Shem from Harvest Presbyterian Church in Maryland, served us so well by, so well by preaching God's uh, word to us. And I, and I really did sense God's love for our students and his care and compassion and commitment for our youth ministry as we were exhorted to make room for Jesus and make room for others because he said following Jesus is the greatest privilege we will have. And it was an honor for Mason, who is our Central Youth Lay Coordinator, and Mason and I to share the burden we have for our students to know and follow Jesus with 26 sisters and brothers who humbly and joyfully labored through uncomfortable beds and rooms with no AC, uh, sleepless nights and hot summer afternoon making chariots out of cardboard boxes and even a vegan breakfast. Yes, we had vegan breakfast, and we can... I'll tell you that story another time. I don't think it would be an exaggeration to say that these sisters and brothers didn't just help carry our burdens. At times, it felt like they were carrying us, and for that, we are extremely humbled and grateful. Church family, the title of this morning's message is Make Room. And I thought a lot about our students as I wanted to offer some words of encouragement and exhortation, especially as they are about, about to go back to school this week. As you might be aware, some of our students are entering their senior year, and they're going to be applying to colleges. Some are entering the often dreaded junior year. Some, are, some students are starting their journey as high school students and middle school students for the very first time, and many are gearing up for another year of sports and band and part-time jobs and other extracurricular activities to keep up with the pace of their desires and their needs and their expectations. So Central Youth students, if you're here this morning, as you prepare to navigate the opportunities and challenges of the weeks and months ahead of you, my prayer is that God's word would encounter you afresh, and that he would encourage you and give you wisdom so that you would thrive and not just survive. And beloved church, this message is actually for all of us, for all stages of life and all seasons of life because the word of God is always, always timely and timeless and it can never be bound up by the focus and intent of even the preacher. And not only that, I would love to invite you, invite our church family 
to care about what God cares about when it comes to our students so that we, as a church, can pray for our students. So I would humbly ask you to, to lean in with our students with open minds and prayerful hearts as we allow God to speak to us through his word. So let me go ahead and invite you to turn with me in your Bible to Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38. This might be a very familiar story to many of us. It's a story about two sisters, Martha and Mary. Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38. Now as they went on their On their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has, a, Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is God's living and enduring word. Thanks be to God. So friends, here is the sermon outline that I would like to submit to you this morning. We're going to look at, first, Martha's problem. Second, we're going to look at Mary's posture. And third, we're going to look at Jesus, our good portion. So the problem, the posture, and the portion. So first, Martha's problem. This is such a short story, only five verses, and yet there's so much going on in these verses that my imagination immediately goes to work. In verse 38, Luke tells us as Jesus entered a village, probably the village of Bethany, Martha welcomed Jesus into her home. The image there is that of showing hospitality. And in Jesus' day, hospitality was a sign and an expression of honor and of friendship and of deep affection. So imagine for a moment, like what do you do when Jesus, the Son of God, the the King of Kings, the creator of the universe, when he is in your home and sitting in your living room? Well, as you can imagine, Martha goes to work. Perhaps you can picture her cleaning and setting up the tables and and cooking the food, she is going all out for Jesus. So much that Luke's description of Martha in verse 40 is that Martha was distracted from much serving. The image is that of someone being pulled away or dragged away. Martha is so busy doing stuff for Jesus that she is distracted from being with Jesus. But not only that, There is a storm brewing inside of Martha's heart. While Martha is turning the kitchen upside down, perhaps she sees her sister Mary through the corner of her eye, eye, and, and Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his teaching. That phrase literally means that she was continually listening. In other words, Mary is fixated on Jesus, just drawn to him in awe and wonder with affection and endearment and fondness. Mary just couldn't get enough of Jesus. And Martha probably could overhear their conversation. And if she is listening to the conversation that she is not a part of, she is growing more and more overwhelmed and stressed and frustrated and perhaps even envious 
And in verse 40, Martha can't take it anymore, so she erupts and she says, she went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care? Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. I mean, friends, do you, can you hear her, her, her emotions? Can you hear her words? I mean, those are loaded words, aren't they? Like, Martha feels alone. She is consumed with self-pity, and she is sulking. She feels like life is so unfair. Perhaps she assumes that Mary, her sister, is lazy and lacking self-awareness, and she begins to show contempt for her sister. But what is more is that Martha begins to question Jesus' character. She doubts whether Jesus really sees, and she doubts whether Jesus really cares. Friends, when we are distracted and dragged away, it implies that we are dragged away into something else. And for Martha, she is being dragged away into self-pity, into resentment, self-righteousness, and doubt. And in verse 41, Jesus responds to Mary by saying, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. In other words, Jesus is laser-focused on her heart. In other words, Jesus is not concerned about her service. Jesus is not concerned about Martha's doing. The prob- Martha's problem was not that she had, a, she had busy hands, but that, a, but that she had a busy heart. So church fam, let's just pause here for just a moment. Do you feel overwhelmed and alone this morning? Do you feel like you're being pulled away and dragged away by the circumstances in your life? Or what are the circumstances that are making you feel anxious and troubled? Students, what are some of your burdens and the expectations that you're carrying that often make you feel anxious and overwhelmed? What are some of your fears? What are some of your doubts that you are carrying? What are some of the social and academic pressures that, uh, that you've learned to bury inside your heart? Because if you were to talk about it, if you were to be honest about it, if you were to open up about that, you might disappoint your parents, you might disappoint your friends, and you might even disappoint yourself. And you have this fear of feeling like, a failure. And, and, and perhaps for others of us, maybe we feel overwhelmed and stressed because we're having to care for our aging parents. Or maybe for some of us, we're worried because of our finances. Maybe we, you've been laid off or you've incurred, um, uh, incurred unexpected bills and you're just worried. Maybe for some of us, it's just broken relationships relationships with our parents, relationships with our children or or our friends, or maybe you're like Martha, you're serving in the church and you constantly feel like you're the 20% that is doing 80% of the work and you feel alone. And and, and, and a lot of us maybe we are going resentful and and bitter and wondering whether God sees or God knows or God cares. Friends, I want to invite you to fix your eyes and tune your ears on Jesus, to Jesus, because Jesus has a loving way of pursuing our hearts the way that he is doing for Martha. Look at verses 41 and 42. But the Lord answered, Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, 
you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. In the Bible, to say someone's name twice was very deliberate and intentional. It was a way of communicating both compassion and conviction. Jesus, in this moment, was being firm, but also he was being very tender and kind. Jesus was speaking truth in love. And please notice, please notice that Jesus doesn't roll his eyes and Martha out of annoyance or displeasure. He loves and cares for Martha just as much as he cares and loves, loves Mary. So students and parents of our students and beloved church family, perhaps this is a word of grace for us this morning, that in the place of the name Martha, I want us to hear Jesus calling our name twice with truth and in grace. You see, if we're honest, like Martha, we too can become distracted. Like Martha, Jesus can be right in front of us and yet we miss him. Like Martha, we can become so busy that we neglect him. Like Martha, we can be doing a lot of good things but still miss the best thing. We can become dragged away by the urgent things that we neglect the most important thing. And for a lot of us, like Martha, doing stuff for Jesus may not necessarily mean that we have a healthy relationship with him. And yet, he does not roll his eyes at us in annoyance and displeasure. The good and gracious news for us this morning is that Jesus is not fretting and fussing over what we're doing and what we're not doing because he cares far more about the kind of relationship that we have with him. So this leads us to our second point. So first we looked at the problem, and second let's look at the posture. So if Martha demonstrates for us the problem of becoming so busy and distracted that we miss and neglect our relationship with Jesus, then Mary demonstrates for us a posture and a lifestyle that Jesus is calling us into, the kind of relationship that Jesus wants to have with us. And look at verse 42. Again, Jesus says, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. This posture is one of sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to his word. This posture is meant to communicate humility and dependence and trust and submission. This posture is an honest confession that he alone is God so that we keep ourselves from thinking that we are God's. This posture gladly confesses that God alone is sovereign and he alone is in control so that we don't have to be and so that we never have to be. This posture is a posture that equips and empowers and enables us for what lies ahead, even if it's a busy season. And Jesus says that this posture is the one thing that is necessary. I love that word. One thing that is necessary. It's not a posture that is just the right thing to do or it's a religious thing to do. It's not a moral thing to do. It's a necessary thing. And it is a good portion that will not be taken away. I love what Psalm 73 says to us. 
Psalm 73, verses 25 and 26 says this. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Students and beloved church family, what is the one thing necessary? What is the good portion that will not be taken away? It's having a relationship with the living and reigning Jesus, regardless of how young or how old you are. And in weakness and in strength, in adversity and in prosperity, and even in life and in death, our relationship with Jesus can never be taken away. That is the one necessary thing. Some time ago, I came across a story about a student named Kyle Martin. He was a graduating senior at the King's Academy High School in West Palm Beach, Florida. It's a Christian school. And he was named the valedictorian of his high school. And on graduation day, he said these words to his graduating class. He said, I stand before you tonight as the 2019 valedictorian. This time last year, I found out that I was in the running for this title. And it was then that I decided that I wanted it. So I I worked hard for it. I sacrificed for it. And yes, I stressed for it. And I got it. And at our senior awards ceremony, it felt so good when I heard my name announced with this title. It felt so good for about 15 seconds. 15 seconds of my heart racing and my adrenaline pumping. 15 seconds of, yeah, I won. 15 seconds of being at the top of the pile of all my accomplishments. And it felt euphoric. But there must come a 16th second. And on that 16th second, I sat down in my seat. I looked at my silver stall that says valedictorian. And I thought, that's it? What just happened? Why am I not feeling anything else? To be honest, I don't even know what I was expecting. A parade of balloons to drop? Or maybe I was hoping that all of my problems would fade away in comparison to this amazing achievement. But none of that happened. Not even in my heart. I felt nothing. I was shocked. This was a huge problem for me and I needed to figure out why. So here was my thought process. Working hard is good. It is in fact biblical but it should not be done for the sole purpose of a goal's sake at the expense of relationship with others. Looking back on this year, I realized that the stress of this year for this goal, uh, for this goal in a five-minute speech was paid for with the lack of attending to relationships in my life. And Kyle, towards the end of his speech, says, says that nothing is more important than relationships. And the most important relationship is your relationship with Jesus Christ. Sisters and brothers and friends and students, like Kyle and like Mary, we posture our hearts as a learner, as a follower, as a disciple of Jesus Christ because we know deep down inside if we have all the success, if we have all the accolades, all the money, all the fame, all the achievements, if we have all this life, 
if we have all this life can offer, but we don't have Jesus, then at the end of the day, we have nothing. This is centuries-old reality. I mean, even Jesus talks about this. In Mark chapter 8, 36, Jesus says, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Friends, like, do you know what I love about this verse? Do you know what challenges me the most about this verse? This is a reminder that I need almost every day. Jesus cares for my soul. And he cares for your soul. Friends, this is such good news for us. In a culture where the measure of our worth and our value and our dignity is so often based on our position and our possession and our popularity and our productivity, Jesus says he cares for our souls. He is far more concerned about who we are and who we're becoming than what we are and how much we're doing. That's our Savior. So then, how do we posture our hearts? And this leads us to our final point, the portion. Jesus, our good portion. You see, we nurture our souls and we give attention to our relationship with Jesus as our first priority by remembering that Jesus himself is our good portion that will not be taken away from us. You see, the burden of our passage is not simply that we need to have a less busy life. The burden of this passage is is for us to have a less busy heart. It's to grow less and less anxious and troubled in our souls in the midst of and even despite the circumstances in our lives by feeding our souls with the precious promises of the gospel in his word. When we come to his word, we are not first reminded of what we need to do for him. We are first reminded of what he has done for us. The gospel reminds us first of who we are and whose we are before we are reminded of what we are and what we need to do. And this gospel is about sheer unmerited grace in and through the life and death and the resurrection of Jesus that we are loved and accepted by God, not because we made room for him, but because he first made room for us. That in Christ, there is nothing that we can do to make him love us any more than he does right now. And that he promises us in the gospel that that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And therefore, the good work that he began and each and every one of us, especially as students, he will complete it. He will bring it to completion for his glory and our good. Therefore, when we are overwhelmed and when we are anxious and troubled in our souls and when we come to Jesus, especially in his word, Jesus is not asking for something more from us. He is asking for less so that he can give us more of himself. And in Matthew 11, Jesus says this, come to me. Not a set of, list, a set of rules. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will, rest, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
And because we've been so unashamedly loved in this way in the gospel that we are drawn again and again and again to sit at the feet of Jesus and make room for his word in our hearts so that we might have sufficient courage and hope to navigate the opportunities and the challenges that God has entrusted to us to steward for his glory and our joy. I love what Philip Ryken says in his commentary on this passage. He says this, when we make this kind of time for Jesus, when we make room, quality time to meet him in his word and through prayer, we are choosing the good portion. His gospel is the cure for our distraction as we are drawn to the beauty of his grace. His peace is a cure for our anxiety as we trust him through the worries of life. His love is the cure for our self-pity as we forget ourselves in serving others for his sake. His mercy is a cure for our resentment as, he, as we offer others. The, uh, his, his mercy is a cure for our resentment as we offer others the same forgiveness that Jesus has given to us. This is the good portion that God offers to Marys and Marthas everywhere. He offers Himself, Jesus Himself, in all His grace. I appreciate that so much. So, friends. Students, parents of our students, church family, we make room in our lives, in our hearts, for his word. We make room for his very real presence that is mediated by the Holy Spirit through his enduring power of his word. Like, friends, like, there is no shortcut. There is no shortcut It's one of the primary ways that we nourish our souls, one of the primary ways that we grow in grace and in wisdom. It's one of the primary ways that God will use to enable us to thrive and not simply to survive. So students, as you begin this week, make room to regularly be in God's word. And it's okay if you've never done it before. It's okay if it's been a long time. It's okay if you don't, have, you don't know where to start. Make room to be regularly in God's word. And if you need help, ask your parents, ask your friends, ask people that you trust and people that you respect and honor. Ask me. Make room to be regularly in God's word. Church family, as I close, I want to read for us and to us from Psalm 16 as a way of just um, proclaiming or believing the promises of the gospel for us as an anchor for our busy lives and busy hearts and as a prayer for our students and for all of us this morning that we would treasure and claim God's word for us as we begin this new season. So if you wouldn't mind, if you would just bow your heads and close your eyes, and I want you to receive these words from Psalm 16. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. 
The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Father in heaven, thank you for the treasure that we have in your word. Thank you that in your word and through your word, we seek you and we find you. Your very presence dwells by the Holy Spirit in your word and you have given it to us, not only for your glory, but for our good and for our joy, for our wisdom, for our truth, for our sustaining grace. So God, even now, this morning, especially for our students, especially for their families, especially for our entire church family, from the youngest to the oldest, would you awaken a hunger to know you in your word? Would you awaken a thirst, give us longing to know you in your word, to cling to you regardless of our circumstances as we lean into another year? Oh God, that we would seek you and find you, we would know you, and that we would know how loved we are by you through your word. So God, enable us by your Holy Spirit, enable us by your grace to make room because Jesus, you are the portion. You are the portion that is necessary and you are the portion that will never be taken away from us. So God, we lean into you for more of you. It's for your beautiful name I pray, amen. Church, let's stand in response.